Welcome to Only Yesterday. My name is Tony, and today we're going to be talking about something that, you know, I mean, I feel like we talk about enough a lot in society, but I feel like it, it sometimes it may get, you know, exaggerated or overblown or something along these lines. We're going to be talking about depression, and we're going to also be focusing on major depressive disorder more specifically. <clears throat> so, sources for today are The History of Depression by Alan V. Horvitz, Jerome C. Or Jeremy, I'm not sure. It's either Jerome or Jeremy C. Wakefield at all um, from the Oxford Handbook of Mood Disorders. Uh, we have Mechanisms of Disease, uh, Major Depressive Disorder by R.H. Bellmaker and Galila Agam from the New England Journal of Medicine. We've also got the DSM-5 from the American Psychiatric Association and Depression Rates by Country um, by the year 2023 from the worldpopulationreview.com. So, what is major depressive disorder, right? Um, it belongs in a category of disorders called depressive disorders, which include, but are not limited to, disruptive mood regulation disorder, major depressive disorder, persistent depressive disorder, or dysthymia, and substance-induced depressive disorder. So, major depressive disorder specifically is categorized by discrete episodes of at least two weeks duration, although most episodes are considerably longer, involving clear-cut changes in affect, cognition, and neurovegetative functions. So, essentially, you'll, you'll be able to see the person's like a, a mood shift. You'll be able to see the results of thinking patterns and these types of things. Um, so in order to have this, uh, five or more of the following symptoms must be present during the same two-week period, as well as represent a change in a person's previous functioning. It's worth noting that the, the person must have one of the following symptoms, um, which would be loss of interest or pleasure and or depressed mood. And so symptoms include uh, depressed mood for most of the day, nearly every day as indicated by subjective report, which is essentially someone, someone you know, saying that they hate, they feel sad, or they feel empty, or they feel hopeless. Um, it's based on that person's experience or observations made by others. Um, you can see the tears in someone's eyes, right? You can see that they're not their same happy self. So um, another symptom is marked diminished interest or pleasure in all or most activities for most of the day, nearly every day as indicated by either subjective account or observation. Again, you know, you'll be able to either see these things in someone or they can, you know, give a direct account, assuming it's truthful, right? We've also got significant weight loss when not dieting or weight gain or significant increased or decreased appetite nearly every day. So essentially, based on what is normal for you, right? If you're just typically a regular hungry, regularly hungry person and you know, you don't gain very much weight, you know, you've got a pretty quick metabolism or whatever the case may be, um, you know, having the inverse effect happen based on, you know, what, what you're feeling, what you're going through, and, you know, essentially your body's reactions to how you've been. So we've got insomnia or hypersomnia nearly every day, psychomotor agitation or delay, fatigue or loss of energy nearly every day, Feelings of worthlessness or excessive or inappropriate guilt, which may consist of delusions. Diminished ability to think or concentrate or even indecisiveness nearly every day. Um, recurrent thoughts of death, self-harm, 
and suicidal ideation. Um, and again, you know, the, the frequency of it. So I just wanted to touch on those for just a moment because um, I know that there's, you know, there's, there's times in people's lives when we say, hey, you know, I'm feeling low or I'm feeling, you know, I'm in a depressed mood or whatever the case may be. And so I wanted to say that that's valid as well. Like people go through all sorts of shit all the time. Like they go through all sorts of stuff and it's hard to manage being an adult, especially if you're trying to do everything that you can to maintain either your lifestyle or your well-being or <clears throat> either your children's well-being or whatever the case may be. Um, it's difficult. And so sometimes we do get, you know, overwhelmed. And so I wanted to just make a distinction Um Again, like having these feelings for like nearly all of the day, every day. And I feel like that's a major dis distinctive factor in, you know, having a clinical diagnosis of depression versus, you know, just feeling down for a few days and, you know, we just going to bounce back. So I just, um, I just wanted to mention that. So another feature of the, you know, depressive disorders is, um, the symptoms cause significant distress or impairment in social, occupational, or other important areas of functioning. And as well, the condition is not better explained by the physiological effects of a substance or medical issue. And so in in that case, right, like if we do have a medically induced depression, right, like your your legs are broken and you're really fucking bummed out about that or, <clears throat> you know, any number of unfortunate medical conditions that would cause someone to, you know, to introspect and not feel super f happy about it. Um, and so there, there's a distinction between, you know, a, a medically or substance-induced depression and, you know, just overall, like, outright being diagnosed with a depressive disorder. Um, and so the next subject I wanted to talk about here is really just depression through the years for centuries people have really been talking about depression and so for the purposes of this episode we're going to be discussing writings of an english scholar named robert burton so <clears throat> as early as 1621 the book the anatomy of melancholy written by english scholar robert burton was published it is said to be the most renowned of all classical discussions of melancholy and perhaps any volume ever written about depression um Per their words, um, Burton described three major components of depression being mood, cognition, and physical symptoms, which are still viewed as a distinguishing features of the condition. He also explains without a cause is lastly inserted to specify it from ordinary passions of fear and sorrow. <clears throat> so essentially saying that, you know, being, being upset, being depressed, being, you know, having these feelings is again it's it's going to happen it's it's natural as part of the human condition you know well for the most part but having all that be done or feeling all these things without a particular cause like there is absolutely no reason as to why someone feels this way right you're just going about your regular day um nothing outside of the ordinary has changed nothing is you know switching up nothing's different but for some reason, you just are not feeling it at all for any reason whatsoever. Like, you're just not feeling it. So, Robert Burton further clarifies depression symptoms to be 
sorrow without any evident cause, um, grieving still, but why they cannot tell. So, you know, just not really having a particular reason as to why you feel this way. And um, I think that's an, an important distinction because, I mean, I can only speak for myself and really trigger warning. So sensitive content warning, trigger warning. Like I can, I can only really speak for myself when I say that when you don't really have a reason as to why you feel the way you feel or when you think that, you know, no matter what you do, like everything is just going to be bad or everything is just going to like fall apart or go to shit. And on top of that, the people who are responsible for making these things happen aren't really facing any consequences or any sort of, you know, accountability. That shit gets depressing. Like it for me anyway. Um, and I can understand how, some people, you know, struggle with suicidal ideation, given the fact that, you know, we are on this planet, we are going to have to, <clears throat> we are going to have to do what we got to do, we're going to have to work together to, you know, maintain, or find some sort of happiness or some sort of resolve, or whatever, or just find some sort of bliss while nothing really gets done, or, you know, and so I think that's hard. Especially if you're, you know, if you're like super passionate about people and, you know, if you really do care about what happens or rather you you do care about what happens in someone's life or you do care about what happens in, you know, day to day conversation with them, if they're able to maintain a conversation or if they're, you know, just so worked up inside their mind that they can't really focus on what's going on with them, um, so I, yeah, I just wanted to mention that, but I, I think that, you know, there is, there's more that can be done, right? Like there's, there's more that we can do. We can, you know, find more positive outlets and we'll actually discuss a bit more the positive things and productive things that we can do to, you know, move forward with this type of process. Um, so don't, don't stress it. I know, I'm sorry, Ugh, brought the house down a little bit, but yo, don't worry, we'll be coming back up. And it's about to it's about to start happening, okay? Just just not like right now, right now, but like we're gonna do it, okay? Trust. So, next subject is the the big sad versus just sad, right? And again, there's we we've touched on it before. So, Burden emphasized that a propensity to melancholy was present in all men, and was a normal and ubiquitous aspect of the human condition. With this being said. It's worth reiterating that the combination and severity of the symptoms, in conjunction with the duration of the ongoing symptoms, will determine the type of disorder, um, which is why it's important to seek professional advice when addressing diagnosis and or treatment. Um, so I just wanted to echo that one final time. Um, we all, for the most part, um, experience depression. It's, it's part of the human condition if you're paying attention to your surroundings, right? Um, and it's, it's, it's unfortunate that sometimes it gets more severe for certain people and sometimes it lasts again for however long, right? It can be months, it can be years, it can be, you know, decades even depending on the severity and the situation. So what can depression look like? It can come in many forms and since anxiety is likely to co-occur with it, behaviors can look like not bathing 
or keeping up on hygiene, um, reluctance to have people come over and spend time, you know, just wanting to isolate, wanting to just be away from everyone or not feeling like a nuisance, um, a reluctance to go out and visit with other people. So again, there's many, many different reasons as to why someone would, you know, feel like they don't want to go out there or feel like they don't want to, you know, do the thing. It can also look like not keeping up on chores, um, no longer having interests and in hobbies or feeling like you're not enough, despite evidence of the contrary. It can also look like giving away possessions or acting out of character for that particular person. And I mean, these are just really a few examples of what depression can look like. I mean, there's, there's so many more. Um, many people will tend to hide it, um, will tend to hide their depression or quote unquote put on a mask and say, well, you know, I'm good. Everything's fine. Uh, you know, just this little thing over here, but it is okay. You know, it's no big deal. We're going to take care of it. And then hopefully, you know, they do end up taking care of it, you know, making sure that it gets addressed or whatever the, whatever the situation calls for. Um, but I, I, that's why I think it's really important to just be in contact with your, you know, your, your peer group, your, your support system, making sure that they have, you know, whatever resources necessary. And if they don't have the resources necessary, then helping them attain what they need. Um, and I think that's super important because according to the global health data exchange an estimated 251 to 310 million people worldwide suffer from depression. An estimated 17.3 million adults in the U.S. had at least one major depressive episode in 2017. And among those diagnosed with depression, about 65% received treatment. Roughly 50% of U.S. adults diagnosed with depression are also diagnosed with anxiety. And so that's Again, I, I think that's really important because let's say we have someone who is depressed, right? They say, okay, well, I haven't bathed in three weeks. I've just been really not feeling it. I've just been fucking ever so depressed ever since that one thing happened or ever since these culmination of things started cascading. And now we are where we are today. And so, you know, feeling that way, uh, not bathing, not take, keeping up on hygiene, then you're like, okay, well, if I do have someone come over, well, what if they think I'm stinky? Or what if they think that, you know, the house is a mess? Or what if I go out there and they're like, damn, why you look so funky, bro? Like, why didn't you shower yet? Where the f what you doing? You know, having these types of concerns or even, let's say, if someone is feeling super upset or feeling super depressed about, you know, their performance at work right? If they're not feeling like they're doing enough or they feel like they're doing all that they can, but the organization is saying, hey, well, we really do need more from you. You need to be, you know, a level 10 right now. What you're doing is, what you're doing is about a level, level six. We're going to need you to bump it up there based on what I think you should be doing. And so perhaps this person is like, okay, well, fuck, now I don't even want to go to work because if I do that, I'll never be a 10 or I'll I'm doing my absolute best and I still can't come up with what they want. So maybe I'll just, you know, not go to work so then I don't have to get yelled at or have my scores go down even lower because I'm, I'm apparently not performing up to their standards. Or and and then you can see how that type of thought will or you can see how that type of thought can cascade and lead to behaviors that might not be, you know, the most helpful for a person case in point they're like super depressed they don't go to work because they 
feel for some reason they can't, or are paralyzed by fear of leaving the house, or whatever the case may be. Um, get like laid off or fired or something, and so now they're like, well, fuck, now I need to find another job, right? And perhaps, you know, and again, this, depending on the person's work history, right? Depending on how, what type of work they want to do. Also, the person's, you know, the, the home situation, you know, are they stable at home? Are they able to afford not having a job for however long? Um, medical situations, right? Like, are we able to have the insurance for if I need to go to the doctor or something? Like, all, all these different factors can lend themselves to someone feeling depressed. So, how can we treat it? Mm, now we're here. Okay, boom. For everyone who's like stuck it out, for, who's stuck through with me all the way through the sad stuff. Okay, we're, we're here now. We're about to find out how can we treat it. Okay. And again, um, just this is not like medical advice, right? Don't be like, hey, freaking the only yesterday podcast said I need to do this and I'll be cured of my depression. Like that, that's not, that's not what I'm here for. I'm here to give you information that is available to really everybody. Um, and so this is not like, I, I, <clears throat> I, I can't diagnose you with depression, right? Like I can't even tell you the most specific treatment that would work for you because I don't know. But here's some things that some people have tried. So we've got pharmacotherapy, which is essentially taking drugs, um, not necessarily like illicit drugs, but ones that's prescribed, ones that are prescribed from your pharmacist um, in conjunction with your, um, you know, caretaker, care care provider, your, uh, your therapist or whomever. Um, and so it might be effective for certain people um, and it might need adjustments. You might need to either up or lower your dose, uh, depending on, you know, its effectiveness on your physiology, right? Like your biophysiology. Um, and it might not work at all. And you might need to try something else or it might make you feel even worse and you might need to not be on that one. So we've also got cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, again, this is something I've mentioned in a few of the episodes, actually, like like probably more than like five at this point. Um, so really just taking, you know, being mindful of your situation, you know, discussing with your therapist, you know, what's going on, how you feel about what's happening, what you think you can do to move forward or what you think you can do to solve a particular issue. Um, and really diving into, you know, your ability to affect and change a situation. Um, and there's so, so much more about that. It's just like, yeah, so much more about that. So we've also got interpersonal psychotherapy, which is about 12 to 20 hours of semi-structured therapy focused on psychosocial and interpersonal aspects of the depressive disorders. So I think that's really important as well. You know, finding out what's going on with you, like on the inside, the type of person that you portray yourself to be, the type of person that you want to portray yourself to be versus the type of person that you actually are. So <clears throat> you could also, we could also perhaps do a diet change. Um, Omega-3 fatty acids, uh, which is which is really needed for a normal brain functioning and our body doesn't naturally produce that, which I think sucks, but I mean, it is what it is. We've also got supportive measures, right? Like exercise, um, getting out there, you know, moving around, 
getting your mind off the madness, you know, getting the blood flowing and, you know, getting the other types of what I believe they're like, they're endorphins or the other neurochemicals in your brain to go throughout your body to, you know, induce a different type of feeling rather than depression. So what can we do, right? Um, if you're suffering with depression, you can also call the depression hotline at 800-273-8255 if you're needing to talk to somebody immediately. Um, if it's not as urgent a situation, and if you have the means available to you, go to therapy, seek therapy. Like, I cannot stress it enough. Like, I think a good therapist can help you adjust your perspective um, in a way that can be beneficial for you. Um, again, I know that not every therapist is good, and I also know that not every person takes therapy seriously. So if those two things are in line, right, if we are taking our own growth and development seriously and the therapist is, you know, a genuine, genuinely good person, right, or I'll say like someone who's doing their job well and effectively, um, it can help you, it can help you through a lot. That's just my, you know, personal experience. But uh, yeah, if you can, do it. So you can also set and accomplish attainable goals, right? Like there's there's not very many feelings that are more satisfying than, you know, setting a goal and being like, yes, I crushed that, crushed it, killed it, bro. And I would do it again, too. And I'd do it again. And so one of the uh, one of the quotes that I like to um, that I like to live by my man, my man's dashy XP says if you can do it once you can do it twice and if you can do it twice you can do it thrice and i feel like that's really it's motivational for me right like you can if you can do something like you can do it again or you can you can do it even better um so staying motivated by you know setting even small goals and accomplishing those and then continuing to get more continuing to set bigger goals um and accomplishing those as well so you can also work on yourself and utilize slash learn self-soothing and coping skills. Um, and again, I think therapy can help you do that. And if you don't, you know, have the ability to, you know, go to therapy or whatever, um, you know, getting creative in your means of self-expression. Um, so again, either writing music, spinning poi, drawing, dancing, freaking claymation videos god dang like yo what else playing the drums god damn um the frisbee golf you know what i mean or whatever it is that you know gets you gets you focusing that energy into something else that's also productive rather than destructive i think that's super important so um you can go for a brisk walk and get the blood flowing you know, get get the blood moving, you know what I'm saying? Again, get these these chemicals that will be released into our bodies to get us, you know, moving on throughout the day. Um, and you can also reach out to your support group and discuss what it is that you're going through. And I feel like that's also equally as important, if not more important, than going to therapy. Because if your support group, and if again, if your support group genuine, genuinely has your best interest at heart, if they really do care about what you're going through and how you're going to develop as a person, then I'd highly recommend, you know, discussing with your support group because they know you better than anybody else, right? Or rather, they they should. <laughs> Fuck, whatever, depending on how close you are, I guess. Um, they will be able to tell you 
and show you where you may fall short or what it is that you may be doing that's not helpful towards your own growth or what it is that you're not doing that's helpful to your own growth. And I feel with that aspect, it's equally as important as therapy because, you know, the people who de- who care about us, who want to see us grow, will let us know what we do and wrong. You know what I mean? And why I say it's equally as important is as a therapist, right? They at, at the beginning, they know nothing about you. They know nothing about you other than what you tell them. And having that opinion, the unbiased or rather the outsider opinion is also important because they can, they don't know all the emotions attached to different, you know, situations and perhaps they can help you put some of your struggles into perspective. So then you can, you know, attack them however you deem necessary. So if you or anyone, you know, are struggling with depression um, please reach out, please seek help, please be there for one another. This world is wild, this world is crazy, but we're trying, and I feel like that should be worth something. Word. So, uh, we out. Don't come for me. No, but this is actually fun. It's informative, because I've already learned a couple of things that I didn't know, or things that I hadn't thought about.